With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity Ale. If you use the code hashtag Villa View, you'll get 10% off all Purity's lovely goods, including the Villa keg and the Villa cans as well. Purity did send me some the other day. I'm yet to post on social media, but thank you very much, Purity. I'm sure I'll enjoy those at some point. Joined by Neil Dunworth to go over Aston Villa nil, Arsenal 1. It's been a few days since the game took place. Now I went and drowned my sorrows on Saturday night in town after the game. Neil, it's one of them days where I was really, really excited. The sun was out. I was buzzing to go to Villa Park. Knew I was going out afterwards. I think it was the first lunchtime kickoff of the season. So it was all a bit new, felt a bit a bit new. First time we played Arsenal at home with fans there since I think 2015 mm. as well. So it felt like, a, yeah, because yeah, felt like a big, obviously we spent some time in the championship now, as I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Felt like a big day. And then Villa just weren't very good. I don't give Arsenal credit. I thought they were probably playing in second or third gear. And I think if they'd really needed to, they could have shunted themselves through the gear and scored more. But they just thought, let's win this game 1-0. Let's not risk anything in the second half. Villa aren't really doing anything. We'll just win this 1-0. And yeah, just a bit flat. The whole day felt a bit flat in the end, actually, from kickoff. I'm really rambling on here. But, you know, the game was flat. I thought the crowd were flat. Yeah, when you're really excited for a game, that's a bit disappointing. I thought this is one of the first games in a long time that I couldn't really argue with anything Stephen Stephen Jared said after the game. You know, usually there's a bit of media talk, there's a bit of, you know, almost sanitizing of what happened, and oh, the lads did really great, did it good. But you know, he kind of really summed it up for me. Very very poor in the first forty five minutes. That the team we didn't get anything going. You know, it it it, it tells you how little we got going that when on Villa TV, on the actual, you know, Villa website, that when you look at the first half, there is nothing to show from the first half. Uh, I think there's one highlight and there's multitude of Arsenal highlights. We just never got into any attacking rhythm. 
Um, the goal that they got, I thought was, you know, it was coming, but at the same time, yeah, it was. I thought Emmy Martinez was very, very unsighted for it. He had saved brilliantly from Ezri Kanza from that touch from Ezri Kanza previously. You know, that was that was a good foot behind him. How he got his hand down. Under- underrated side, that oh. was. I thought that at the time. Absolutely it was fantastic. Like, it was an unbelievable side. But yeah. we just couldn't get anything going in the first half. And it's very hard to get out of that that reverse gear that we were in and then try and get something going. Yeah, in the second half, we had a couple of chances. Ashley Young clipped the ball in. Get Gabriel got to it before uh, Watkins. Watkins has a deflected shot off the post. But it's their Ings heads went over the bar. Ooh, I can't remember. Coutinho free kick at the Coutinho end. Free kick. He was quiet. Uh, Bertrand Troy is a header at the back post. Awful header, by the way. <laughs> it's just not his forte, I don't <laughs> think. Um, um, unbelievable clearance. Unbelievable clearance. <laughs> but uh, like, it's there was there was some okay parts. But as you said yourself, Arsenal were fantastic. Arsenal looked so good in the first half. Um, and, and it's a thing, and I know we'll talk about it in a moment, Dan, because we spoke about it off air, that when we play against a team that just switches it quickly from left to right or right to left, we're, we're very, very, very unsure about what to do. Our fullbacks are unsure. Unfortunately, I thought Douglas Louise was... Douglas Louise was good in open play, I thought he was, but his movement around from getting from one side of the field to the other... I'm not sure it was great. Jacob Ramsey, I don't think, handled yesterday or handled uh, Saturday very, very well, especially in defensive point. In the defensive point of view, he was a bit better going forward. You know, having Ramsey and Buendia on that side. I think it was Ramsey and Buendia were on that side for the majority of the game. Yeah, Ramsey and McGinn kind of switched, they which did. they've never really done before in central midfield, which I don't think particularly worked. Must have been, I'm presuming there was a reason for it. I don't think they just did it for fun, but it, it didn't really work. It was a bit, just a bit off. Yeah. All round, wasn't it? The, the thing I know is from probably minute one or the first time Villa got a goal kick. You know, we're playing out from playing out from the back, which I don't remember noticing as much in any other game before, except for the Manchester City game this season. So we're playing out from the back, but Arsenal was just so good at keeping us there. Mm. We, we couldn't get it out. We looked, we looked panicked and flustered in possession. So we never really got forward. I, I think, you know, the times in the game where we caused Arsenal the most trouble were when we did go slightly more direct, slightly long, but they're trying to play out from the back. Arsenal just pushed us so far deep, which couldn't get out at all. And I think that was the start of the problems. Arsenal were very, very good pressing side, I thought, and also just their use of the ball. I thought our use of the ball was poor all day when, when we did have it. But I guess this is the difference between a mid-table Premier League side and a side that's pushing for top four, you know, much like West Ham. Mm. But no complaints at losing to Arsenal, really. But I just thought we didn't give a good account of ourselves at all, and that's disappointing. Yeah, it's look the different. Like Emil Smith Rowe was absolutely like everyone will talk about Bayakasaka and, and and how good he was. And he was fine. He, he, he was better than fine. He was really good in his goal. He deserved his goal. Don't like his comments after the game to say that we targeted him and stuff like that. I didn't think he got much more of a kick in than anyone else that I've, in any other game I've seen. But I think Emil Smith Rowe's movement in the middle of midfield is just. Excellent. You can see why we were willing to go out and spend tons of money on him in the in the summer. We missed out on him, which is absolutely fine. He's in with the England squad now. He's a diminutive player. He is for me, like he looking at his movement and the way he just ghosts into position is just excellent. And it's a real handful for two center halves who don't like to be dragged out of position. It's also a real handful when you know Douglas Louise, as I mentioned, he's 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 not. He's not playing unbelievably badly or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but he's just like he's playing in a role. He's not 
used he, he's not his his strengths aren't used to or his strengths aren't, aren't being used as well as he can in that in that number six role. And when you've got someone like Emile Smith Rowe just putting you left and right like that, it can be a torrid, torrid day for him. Now, I thought he was thought he was okay. I don't think it was his worst game that he's ever played. Don't get me wrong. I thought, like as I say, the midfield three. I thought Ramsey was probably the most out of position throughout the whole game. But you know, it, it just goes to show that we've been talking about it since I I'd say, I'd say very much so since the very first day I was ever on Villa View. We're talking about the need for the central defensive midfielder, and, and you know, I think that. I think I, I think we like it, it's unfair on Douglas Luiz because I think he would be pushed into a number eight position if he was if he was playing in any other team. But um, at the moment he's just taking a bullet for the rest of the guys that are there because there's no one else that can really play that position. Unfortunately, I know people said Chambers, but for me it just it just highlighted to me that Emil Smith Rowe had a free run in and around that that area in the field there, and it wasn't because Douglas Luiz is poor. It's just that Emil Smith Rowe is that good, and it's unfair to ask him to do that job. Uh, three behind the striker. Yeah. All very good very footballers. Good. Erdegaard in there as well. You know, the way he manipulates the ball. I thought I thought he was top draw. He's one of them players, you know, he's not not blessed with any great speed. He, he almost looks effortless for him, but everything he did was quality. And that was pretty much the same for, for a lot of our Thomas Party as well. You know, we talk about defensive midfielders, you know, as defensive midfielders go in the Premier League, he's ideal because mm. he is robust. He can do a bit of everything. He's also he also just looks after the board. He keeps it simple, very much keeps it ticking over. But he looks after the board. I was re- I was really impressed with Arsenal. As I said, I thought they were probably playing in second gear, but I thought they were they were really really good. But we, I don't know, I'm not sure what the game. I'm not really sure what the game plan was. It wasn't like we were taking the game to Arsenal, but it also wasn't like we were desperately trying to hit them on the break or go direct and utilize Watkins' pace because when we did get the ball up to Watkins. I mean, his, his first touch left a lot to be desired for at certain times, but I get that he's very hard up there on his own. But he picked the ball up. There's no one anywhere near him. And I, and I kind of felt like that whenever any Villa player was in a good position throughout the whole 90 minutes, which wasn't very often, by the way, there was never anyone else in sight. So just not any momentum was just gone. Villa, we were, I feel we've had a few days like this this season where we've kind of got the chance to counter-attack and it just requires a bit of quick football. We seem to be experts at slowing it down when we should be speeding it up. And we just never, we didn't create anything of note. And we couldn't get the little man Coutinho into the game at all. Party possibly shackled him. We changed the team, actually, Neil. So, Brendan obviously came in for rings. What do you think of that looking back? Because I actually think we might cut. It's easy with hindsight, I mean, to say we've lost 1-0. I don't think that change really had any impact on, on the game. I, we possibly would have been better off having the two strikers and trying to occupy Arsenal a bit more. When we started to go long, if we had the two strikers, when we when we found that we were getting joy going long with, what, 25 minutes left in the game, half an hour left in the game, that would have been, you know, it would have been, hindsight is 20-20, as you say. But, like, if you couldn't get if you couldn't get Coutinho in the ball, we also weren't able to really get Bundia in the ball either. You know, so... I suppose there is a problem. They both lost in there, weren't they? A little yeah. bit, bit and, and that's the which can happen then, as a number ten. That's the difference between Arsenal and Villa is that the three guys that Arsenal have behind their striker were, as you said, Odegaard. Okay, he's got a bit of height to him, but Emil Smith Rowe is knee high to a grasshopper, and Sacco is, you know, he's always going to be out in the wing. They were able to get the ball to their diminutive uh, player number ten uh, as such because they get because they get the ball quickly. That's the difference. Our attacking players, when they when they're getting the ball, it's it's slow because the way we were building up from the back just didn't work at all. I, I didn't yeah. think. And when our attacking players pick up the ball, they're surrounded because Arsenal are just are just there. They're already there because we've been so slow in the builder. When Arsenal were coming forward and getting the, the ball to their creative players, 
like you say, they switch it. It's done mm. quickly. It's almost done effortlessly. That's why, that's why we, we just didn't have anything like that, which is why we had such a turgid display and never really created anything of note. And that's a good point, actually. And I'm sure there's people who have wa- watched the game more times than I have since, since the weekend, but I can't remember really anybody crossing, not crossing the ball, but switching the play other than Tyrone Mings from a central position. And when I say switching the play, that's probably being... Probably, probably splitting hairs at that one because he was a bit more central and he was just picking what wing he was going to play the ball to. But it was really John McGinn. John McGinn's really the only person who kind of switched the play. But the ball that he plays is very long and loopy, and the, the, the person who comes onto it has to take it down a small bit, has to be able to run onto it like like Arsenal were. So it's not something that we actually have done that well under Stephen Jordan. And I'm open to correction. Someone might turn around and say we did it 15 times against Southampton and we won four 0 or whatever. But that would just more maybe go on to further prove the point that we're saying that we can't get the ball to Coutinho because we're playing very one-dimensionally in the first half and then in games we don't play one-dimensionally because maybe we're given that small bit more time we can actually get this creative flow going so it's it's a really frustrating one as you say that nothing really went right for us and we just couldn't change gears fast enough in the second half hmm. we talked about distances quite a lot since Gerard's come in, I think something I've ever spoken about until Stephen Gerrard became our manager. And I think we look a better team when everyone's kind of playing closer together. I think that's where, where we've worked best. I think after we had our bad run, the next few games, Brighton, completely forgotten who was Southampton, that the distances between the players were good. Mm. I almost felt as if the distances this way again, almost a little bit too close. And then Watkins is miles away. Just, just didn't. I just did, everything just felt off. Like I say, I find it really difficult to analyze this game with you because we just didn't do anything. But it just, it just looked off from minute one. Everything we did looked off. It was like as as you mentioned, Arsenal are probably one of the most impressive teams. Like obviously you've got your cities and your and and, and your Liverpools or whatever. Like they're they're great to watch. You can watch them play all day. Well specifically Liverpool. I looked at Arsenal and thought they're a better team than Chelsea yes. when I watched Villa play Chelsea. I thought this you know this is a good this is a good team. They all know what they're doing. Much, they all know their jobs. I much preferred watching Arsenal than watching West Ham just batter us to death the week before. You know mm. and, and that's the difference that we're we, like we're a bit of a naive team. I think that's fair to say, and I think everybody can see that. Um, Arsenal just, had, like as you say, I think it really comes, the steeliness in Arsenal comes from Ben White. Ben White is a majestic player. I think he's fantastic. Great, 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 great centre-half. He didn't even need to be steely. I said to you before we came on, really, you know, he was he was great. Ben White at the back. I mean, if we're all we're saying that Villa didn't, Villa didn't do anything, you know, I did think Ben White was really impressive when, when we did come forward. But then even got his kit dirty. Yeah. But, that, but that's because of Thomas Partey. That's, that's what I was getting at. Thomas Partey in front of him was really, really good again. You know, and 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 mm. he's really really good. I just picked up a Birmingham twang there all of a sudden. I don't know what it happened. happens. It know. definitely definitely happens. <laughs> but he picked up. He, uh, he, I thought he was really really good, and uh, and just you see that platform is just great. It, it means that defenders can spawn about back there and just pick up any true balls that come through, nullify any long ball effect that comes to a speedy striker or a striker that wants to play on the shoulders, specifically one in the tier that I would say Ali Watkins is in. Yes, he's been called up to England, but he's not a Harry Kane. He's not uh, Mo Salah. He's not a Sadio Mane at this moment. Maybe he turns into one in some stage. I don't know. But, you know, when he plays on, off the shoulder, he's going to need a couple of more touches. He's not an instinctual striker uh, like those guys are. Um, you know, so Ben White, once he's got somebody like a, you know, a brick house like uh, like Thomas Partey in front of him, it's, it's, it must be really comforting for him when a team like Villa come and play and they can't get Coutinho on the ball 
um, and, and are just resulting in, in putting balls long and seeing what happens. Because it's frustrating because they've, they've got Bert Leno in goal. Mm. And played all season. I was thinking, oh, great, Ramsdale's out. I know he made a mistake the other week against Liverpool. I thought, oh, Leno's in goal, hasn't played all season, might be a little bit nervous. But he, again, I mean, he's gloves. He'll be able to use them next week. He won't have to. He won't have to worry about about changing his gloves. It's just, just nothing to do. And like I say, just flat mm. all round. Pretty much just that. You made the crowd and the way we were playing made the crowd almost a, li- a little bit edgy as well. And the atmosphere at Villa Park was flat. And that's something that's happened too much this season as well. I think at the start of the season we were all so delighted to be back. They're not not digging the fans out at all. You know, there's been some real poor performances this season, but everything just just felt a little bit flat. And I don't want to see that from Villa under Steven Gerrard. I, I associate Villa with Steven Gerrard. A bit, a bit of intensity, a bit of drive. I mean, let's talk about the Mings tackle. Well, it wasn't even a tackle. The Mings pass that he got a yellow card for. I mean, I saw them dissecting that on Sky yesterday. Dermot Gallagher. I, th- I, think it, I think it was. I mean, it's not even a foul. And we're talking about potential red cards. I could say it wasn't a foul from the whole end. I knew straight away what, what happened. He's lunged for the ball. Nowhere for his... Literally, after he's passed that ball, there is nowhere for his foot to go. And I've got to say, the ref was poor again. He wasn't the reason Villa lost. Yeah. Just another referee just doesn't have control of the game, blowing up when Arsenal players are asking him to, booking people when Arsenal players are asking him to, you know, not catching on to players going down and just taking the time, the time wasting, which I ask every right to do, the winning 1 0. But it's just a, another weak referee as well. But yeah, that yellow card for Mings kind of summed up the day, really. I just thought it was farcical. I agree. It's it, my. My dad watches watches football games and he's very unexpressive. So I'd say when he's watching games, but it's one of the first times I've seen. Like the most you get out of him is, "Ah, for God's sake, if that's a foul, oh God, I don't know." Like they're like, you know, that's how he kind of grumbled himself about it. Whereas I was going apoplectic. I was like, "What in the hell is going on here? That's that's never a foul. It, it just wasn't a foul, you know. It really wasn't. If anything, Sacco was late, and you know." I don't know. I, I I can't figure it out. Everybody said what they need to say about it. And everybody is right, except for those who are saying it should be a yellow card or, or a red card, because it just wasn't even a phone. Just really, really wasn't. Yeah. I can't get my head around yeah, it. I mean, I, I'm going to be careful because I'm on Skull tomorrow morning at 7.30, if anyone wants to tune in for the early kickoff. But yeah, Dermot Gallagher on Skull, I just thought it was embarrassing. Yeah. You're supposed to be like, you're supposed to be at the, at the highest level. I get the games change a little bit, but come on. That is that just is never ever a foul any any day of the week. I can't I, like I said, I could see at the time it wasn't a foul. I didn't need to see it back to know to know what happened and, and know it wasn't a foul. But it's just a it's another part. Of, I know it's only a yellow card, but it's another part of a just a frustrating day. I don't even know what there is left to talk about well, now. That, if you can think start, of anything in, in light of like you know, it even blew up on Twitter about whether it was a red card or a yellow card. And you know, you see these crazy takes and and. You know, why can't people just be objective and say, if I made that tackle, I would have been like a bull on the field asking why the hell I was getting the other card. Like anybody. If, if you're fair play to Mings, he kept his call, actually. He did, yeah, fair play to him. He actually did. But, you know, like you had people there saying, that wasn't Mings tackling. That was Mings having a heavy touch, trying to pass the ball. And when he had a heavy touch, got frustrated and carried through. And like, it's just pure and utter madness. But people, mm. you know, kind of, what people are kind of trying to orchestrate in their own minds to justify that a player I don't support, oh, he definitely deserved the yellow, or maybe even a red, just because he doesn't play for my team. It's just a waste of time. Just call it, like, realistically, like everybody sees it. You don't have to be contrarian on social media. You really don't, you know? That's why a lot of people give out about it. But anyway, that's my little soapbox rant over because yeah. it just wasn't even a foul. And if it happens, if it starts happening in the Premier League, we might as well pack up. Yeah. 
I mean, I find it. I mean, I find the game frustrating. I find it a frustrating one to talk about on air because I'm really struggling for for talking points. But I can't remember if I brought this up in the in the last show that we did. But you know, I went to the Tyler Emmings evening, and he talked about us being a mid-table side. It's not where we want to be, but it's it's where we are. We'll win some games, we lose some games. Unfortunately, that's that's what's happening, isn't it? You know, you have a. I felt like we had a good run when Gerard came in. Then we had a really really bad run. Then we won three in a row. Now we've lost two in a row. We just are where we are and I think it's probably going to be like that until the end of the season now we might go on and win the, the next couple but then we'll probably lose two after that. I mean we never draw yeah why can't we draw a game I, I, mean, I, know, I know obviously we've drawn three so people will say well obviously we can we've drawn three times but well, you, incredible record to have only drawn three times also I brought, the, I brought this up I think on a, on a podcast with Dolan previously um I think it was before before the Brighton game See how many games Brighton have drawn Brighton have drawn 12 games Southampton have drawn 11 Crystal Palace have drawn 13 they're drawing, yeah, and then mid-table sides. And this is exactly it, but they're drawing games. And they're, I suppose, like the, the, the perception of them is that they're a lot more stable in mid-table. Whereas we're in we're in, in ninth place. We've won, what, 11 games? What can I see there? Yeah, we've won 11 games. Yeah, 11 games. And we've only drawn three, you know, whereas we're considered an up-and-down team, you know. And, and I suppose that's the way it's going to be um, until we start turning those losses into draws. And, and if we start turning those losses into draws, we're in ninth position now, you know, that's where, that's, that, that 11 wins is, is not a bad return for the, like we've had a, a tumultuous season at the moment, changing managers. We've had two, hor- we've had two horror runs as well, like really bad really runs. Really bad runs, yeah, of, of five game, five game losses. We've changed managers. We had a very, very, um, we had a very, very up and down uh, preseason with COVID and, and everything else. Ollie Watkins then gets injured against San Antonio, the, the game before the start of the season. Just a lot of things have gone wrong this season. Not excusing it. I know we're in March. There's only, what, eight games, nine games left or whatever in the season. But, you know, there is a lot of context to this season and we've won 11 games. We're in ninth position. And as I say, if we turn four or five of those those losses into draws, which I think we could have, I think we could have snuck a draw. It would have been on, would have been against the runner play if we snuck a draw at the weekend. But we could have snuck a draw at the weekend because Arsenal didn't finish us off. How many times have we been in positions where we haven't finished teams off and they've snuck mm. a draw against us or they've snuck a win against us? Watford couldn't finish Watford off a goal, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't have that look on our side because we don't create enough chances and because we're not as fluid in attack yet. Not sorry, not as consistently fluid in attack yet. And hopefully a good off season. Maybe get Coutinho in, get him in on a, on a full-time basis, maybe upgrade in the striker department, you know, Things like that, try and upgrade in the in the, the central defensive defensive midfielder department, and, and 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 things might be a small bit better next season. Because if we're kind of saying that this season is a bit flat as it is, and we've eleven games, one of them are in ninth position, you know that's not exactly the worst place to be. Considering that we finished nineteenth, we finished what eleventh, and then if we if we do get to ninth and top and and, and uh, top of the table uh, position, yes, we've spent a lot of money. But we do have that forward progression that the owners want. So maybe there is, maybe there's more of a silver lining than we than we actually know. And when we sit back and uh, the dust is settled at the end of the season, we might be able to see it a small bit clearer. I, but at the moment, uh-huh. I'm like you, Dan. At the moment, I, you know, we've got good days, we've got bad days, and we're inconsistent. And until we become some way consistent, and if that means drawing more games, well, then we probably won't be able to puff out our chest and say we deserve to be in lofty positions. I gotta say, I think ninth feels like a little bit of a false position for me. Actually, 
I think that feels higher than we should be after the season. See, that's the had. thing. That's because we've lost or we've won or we've lost or we've mm. won. See, there's no draws in the middle of the temper expectation. Yeah, I think like ninth is, if we're ninth, that feels like a very weak middle of the Premier League, if I'm being honest. Because I just think we have had such a bitty season all around. I mean, about the sub, what do you think of the subs on uh, on Saturday? Now, they didn't come on and did, didn't really have an impact again. I, I'm dying to see us be behind and change, change a game. Off the, off the bench, that seems to be something that we, we haven't managed to do all season as well. And we've got this bigger squad this year, which makes it a bit more frustrating. The only game I can think of off the top of my head where subs have come on and had an impact is Manu at home. Mm. And generally, if we're behind and we bring on subs, ever really seem to change a game. A lot of people come up to me at the ground and say, what does Sanson have to do to get to, to get a chance? I'm, personally, I'm not convinced he's, he's the answer. I don't think him coming on would have particularly changed that game. I think our midfield's all very samey same. To, to, to be fair, but you know, if you didn't get it, didn't get it on in games when we're, when we're behind, probably isn't ever, ever going to get on. He's, I think, my, my opinion is, I don't think he's here next season. I think it's just not worked out at all. I think he'll trot off back to, back to France and won't be someone that we really ever remember in 10, 20 years' time as, as Villa fans. But you know what I'm saying about the bench? Yeah. We've, got the, we've got these options, you know, Brendan's obviously been on the bench recently. He came on and actually went there and had an impact against West Ham and we got a goal, but, you know, we still lost the game. So I don't really count that. But you know what I'm saying about just, we've got these extra options. I want to see someone come on and really change the game. Everton at home, Bailey came on, didn't he, all those months ago and, and change it. But generally, we make subs. It doesn't really ever change. If, if anything, sometimes we seem to get worse. <laughs> it's an interesting one, for sure. Like Bertrand Troy coming on, was he played as a 10? Was he played as a striker? Did we go like I'm not even fully sure what formation we were playing to finish the game? Hmm. You know, you bring him on in that 10 position, that's pretty alien for him. Maybe I could get on board if they had gone to two strikers with continue behind him and, and Bertrand Troy was that other striker. Yeah. Uh, I'd have I'd have just said bring Ings on before you bring Troy around and go back to what you were doing the get the three games in a row that you've won. Yeah. I mean, Bailey coming on the left hand side, he looked electric for one minute and then I didn't see him again. Just yeah. not really, you don't really want to be played, don't really want to be playing left side. As far as I know, you know, in Germany, that wasn't what he did. He was on the right hand right. side, cutting in and whipping in crosses and scoring scoring goals. And he had a very good season last year. Needs needs to get fit, just hasn't been fit all season. I'm still really hoping that he's going to come good at some point because I know he's a sensational footballer. Do you know what I mean? We're kind of bringing bringing on players and they're not really ever impacting the game. There was a comment flashed up a second ago about about Carney. I can't I half feel. Actually, he can manipulate a football and look after a ball. And again, it's easy with hindsight for me to sit here and say, it. We, we have not been better off changing Buendia for Carney, maybe. I, I, I just, yeah, I, th- I think Troy away and played all season. If you bring on two players, you can't possibly be match fit. It's not really going to have an impact on the game, is it? I think, I think you have to read between the lines with Carney. I think at this, at this stage of the season, given the chances that we've given him, I think you kind of have to read, read between the lines with him at the moment. And, uh, but he could turn around and say, well, I've had a few minutes here and there, but I've not had a start. I'm not getting the football I want. I can't even, I can't even understand. He, I can see it from both sides, actually. You know, he's, if he's that highly rated and he is a good footballer, he isn't really getting any outstanding minutes, is he? How many England under-21 caps he's not even under-21s, is he? He's, no. he's, under, he's, only, he's only 18, I think. How many under-19 caps yeah, has he got? All this kind of stuff, you know? I just don't know. Look, as I say, if he stays at the club, fantastic. If he's highly, but he ain't going to stay. He isn't going to stay. He isn't coming on. That's the, that's what but, I'm trying to say. But he came on for what, maybe six, seven games in a row. Uh, he came on against Manchester City. Um, you know, he came on in big games. He did well. Did yeah. well. Did well against Norwich. Obviously, got his, got his first Premier League assist that day. There was a period before around Christmas where he was coming on, 
and he was looking looking good. I've spoke to players that have trained with him, and they say he's the he's the real mm-hmm. deal. He's going to be a good player. He's going to get better. Not coming on. I just think Troy Ray can't be fit. He just That's can't true. be. He didn't impact That's the true. game at all. Maybe maybe Gerard just wanted to get a couple of genuine wide players on rather than number 10 to, tr- to try and change it up a little bit because we weren't getting any joy through the middle against Arsenal. But it did work. And like I say, it is easy for me to sit here with hindsight. But I do just think with the Carney contract situation, Villa might be proving a point not bringing him on at the moment. But then he ain't going to sign a contract if he ain't get any minutes. But the funny thing is, like, you look at Tim. Tim signed a contract during the week. Um, Tommy mm-hmm. Riley signed a contract during the week. Uh, who else is signed? There's, there's, there's a couple of other kids this season. I signed. guess they haven't got the interest that Carney's probably got. I would guess. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, maybe I don't wants, know much about the situation. To, go to, to, to Dortmund and and learn from people out there. Maybe I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a funny one. I think if he was 19, I think if he was 20, and I'm splitting hairs with this one. I know. I think, you know, when you're 18 years of age and yes, you're highly thought, highly thought of and he's come on in games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it like I see it with him too. I think he has no turn of pace, you know, and, and that to me is grand. You, you can get you can get by in this league with that, all right, but I think it just gets shown. I think it just gets shown sometimes when you're 18 years of age and you, you haven't got that, that kind of sniper's instinct of getting into, like Emile Smith-Rowe, getting into those positions. Biakasako can come in at 18, 17, 18, 19 years of age and his speed can get him out of a lot of positions. Whereas Carney needs to be absolutely pitch perfect when he comes in. Yes, he's got a long language style it's, it, and he builds up to speed, but he doesn't have that massive pace over five, ten, five, six yards. And I think for me, that's probably something that kind of goes against him at getting a run early as an 18 year old. But he's plenty good enough. Don't get me wrong, he's plenty good enough. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Because I just don't yeah, think no, he's going to sign. Discussion. Well, it's not looking good. I think there's an element of I've heard things about his agent asking for silly money, which I get. I don't, you know, the club aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, from that point of view, I, I don't blame them. But I think if he just felt like he was getting a bit more of a sniff, I think he's probably more inclined to, to sign a contract. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. You now we still got we still got 12 to 14, 16 months left. Like, to, you know, to sort to sort this out. But you, you don't want to be in this situation with a highly thought of talent. You don't want to be where we are with it true. at the moment. Because no one, no one's really winning with it either. We're not winning with it. No. And neither's he. I, I suppose so, realistically, we the club only stand to lose because if he goes on out to out to Dortmund for free, essentially, and becomes Another Jude Bellingham or whatever you want to well, say. We'd get comp, we'd get compensation, wouldn't we? I think if he was if he was to leave, it, yeah. It, it, like put it this way, he wouldn't get twenty two million like um, like Birmingham got for selling Jude Bellingham, but um, mm. you know you might get five, six. I don't know whatever whatever the, the tribunal sets, but that's that's a, 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 a stagnant fee, I think, based on potential and things like that. I think there's actually a formula that you can use to work that out or get close enough to it, but but I don't know what that is. But look, there are games coming up. Like he could he could just as easily start against Wolves. Yeah, the fix let's get a fit let's get a fixture. Let's start against you know, like Norwich, Burnley. Where will we saying it he came on in those games if I'm thinking he definitely came on against Norwich. You know the the reverse fixtures Chuck I'm I'm kind of sure he came on against Leicester as well if my my memory serves serves me correctly. You know, so they're the reverse games are the, they're the ones that he that he that he got football. So I, again, it's dangerous. Last time I did this, and I looked at our fixtures and thought, Ooh, they're all right. We won one in eight, so I don't really want to do that again. But I do look at those fixtures and think that's not a, not a terrible run coming up. You know, there's, there's games there where we can take something. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I I I think we could get something at the weekend. 
you know, we're so Jekyll and Hyde. I think we could take something at Wolves. We want there won't be any Jimenez after he got sent off, you know. So their striking mm. threats are are down Raul Jimenez, which is great news for us. Now we got to break down our backline, which is actually brilliant. Uh, got to get oh, past yeah, that goalkeeper. It's very, very good. We got to stop somebody like like Den Donker banging or Neves banging one in from thirty five yards out of nowhere. You know, we got to stop all that. That that's that's where Wolves really, really hurt you. Spurs are Spurs. Don't fancy getting much out of that. As you say, Harry Kane, Son are really linking up again together. Seem to be getting something. Matt Darty has turned into bloody, I don't know. Kaffer. Ka- yeah, absolutely. Everybody who's good at the right back position turns into Kaffer. Oh, that's Kaffer. He's turned into Alan Hutton. Um, that's, what, that's what he's turned into. But he's playing absolutely fantastic, which is even as an Irish fan, is something that I never really saw happening at Spurs. I thought he might go out again. We could get something at Leicester. I'd expect us. I'm at Norwich. They better win. Get, get working on set places against Leicester. Jeez, they are horrendous at defending set players. Embarrassing. Come on, Austin McFer. Let's get some. Let's get some set places on the go for that guy. They better win on the 30th of April. I'm over for Norwich, and then you've got Burnley. Oh, yeah. You know who could who who uh, I would expect them to probably beat a Burnley team who might not have much to play for other than pride at that's but come that stage of the season. So oh, no, I'm sure they'll have I'm sure they'll have hit form by the time we roll around. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what usually happens now. It does yeah, happen. They'll have, they'll have, yeah. They'll have won three in a row or just or just win the game before just as we rock up to death. I've got to play him again at home in the in the game that's never going to be arranged. Yeah that's, that's God knows when that's, God, God, God knows when that's going to be absolutely and ridiculous. then Liverpool is yeah. Liverpool is the Liverpool game as well. Is the Liverpool game gone in because that was one of our next games is that gone yep. now because of the FA Cup. Yep. Yeah yeah Fantastic end of the free, Villa free weekend, just what the doctor ordered. Right, then let's go now. Thanks to whoever asked that can't made that Carney Chuck Mecca comment because he actually gave us something to talk to talk about for, for 10 minutes. So thank you very much to whoever asked that. And thanks to everyone that tuned in as well. Thanks to Neil for joining me. Villa free weekend, as I say. So we'll be watching England. So there won't be much content on the Villa View coming up, but we will be back next week at some point. So watch out for that. We'll preview the Wolves game at some stage. I'm sure. Have a good what's left of your evening and a good what's left of your week and have a great weekend as well. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.